Hello and welcome to The Paper Lantern, a career-focused podcast for students and young professionals. I'm your host, Derek Wong, and my goal is to help light up your career path by sharing stories, advice, and perspectives from relatable role models. Each episode, I sit down with an inspiring achiever, creator, or professional who's excited to share their advice to help you discover your passion or get unstuck. If each episode represents one paper lantern, my dream is to fill the sky with paper lanterns for the whole world to see. Thanks for listening to the Paper Lantern Podcast, and I hope that you enjoy each episode. Hey everybody, this is Derek here, and I'm stoked to bring you this episode with my buddy, Alton Wong. Alton is a bona fide stud in the ad sales world, and he's worked at basically all the coolest companies in the tech world. Microsoft, Salesforce, LinkedIn, TikTok, and now he's off to Google. But beyond absolutely crushing his numbers in the sales world, Alton is one of the most charismatic people that I know. He's super genuine, down to earth, and gets along with basically everybody. And within the small expat community here in Singapore, everybody knows and loves Alton. I met Alton about three years ago when we were both working at LinkedIn. He was based out of the Toronto office while I was in the headquarters in Northern California. We're both heavily involved with starting the Asian Employee Resource Group at LinkedIn, which we called LinkedIn Asian Alliance, or LIA for short. I remember during one of our LIA leadership meetings, I reached out to him because I saw that he had Wong as his last name, and we both joked that we were basically long-lost cousins or brothers. In a twist of events, I actually didn't meet Alton in person until years later when we were both out here in Singapore. We both moved out here in January 2020, right in time for COVID, and were heads down at our respective roles. It wasn't until I saw some random post that he made on LinkedIn that I realized we were both in Singapore at the same time. We both laughed at the irony of the situation. We were both so interested in Asian representation in the corporate space that we ended up moving to Asia at the same time. We met up over dinner with a few other friends and realized that there was quite a few other Wongs here in Singapore. So we started a Wong Dynasty social group and did hilariously Cantonese things like eating dim sum or feasting on Hong Kong cuisine together. Good times. We recorded this episode in my home office studio setup and I realized it's the first in-person interview that I've done in nearly two years. I'm also a bit sentimental too with this one, as we recorded this episode just days before Alton would be leaving Singapore to move back home for good to Canada. So this episode is part interview and part goodbye memento as a way to remember our good times here in Singapore. I've always viewed Alton as a really cool and super relatable older brother. He's calm, positive, and an incredibly social guy who's really comfortable in his own skin. And every time I hang out with Alton, I feel like he gives me awesome perspectives or reassurance that make me feel so much better about whatever problem that I'm tackling. If everybody was a bit more like Alton, I think the world would be a much better place. And if Alton wasn't already cool enough, he also has a lovely podcasting voice. So enjoy this episode filled with velvety smooth, audible chocolate. Alrighty folks, that's it for this intro. Sit back and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome. I'm really excited to welcome my guest today, Alton Wong, who is my really good buddy here in Singapore. Alton, care to introduce yourself to our listeners? Hello, Derek. I'm really excited to, to be here today. Um, yeah, so quick quick intro on myself. We'll give you the professional and, the, and then the personal. Professionally, uh, I've been in tech for about 10 years. Started off in SaaS and I've been in ads for about the last five or six years now. Um, personally, uh, I'm just a curious guy. Love meeting really cool and real people and just getting to know them at a, at a deeper level and 
I recently picked up some uh, golf and wake surfing. We can get into that a little bit later, so yeah. quick intro on me. This is the first episode I've recorded in person in a very long time, so it's great to have two people in the same room. And I realize we both have very uh, radio-friendly, uh, audiophile voices, so that'll be a fun one for our listeners. And you're looking quite tan from all your time on the on the green and, I guess, on the wave, so you know, glad that you can spare a weekend to do this recording. Uh, but let's start with, you know, what brought you to Singapore? Like, I, I know you're, this is not your original home, but you know, what brought you here? Yeah, and uh, I mean, this is my first podcast, so, you know, excuse me if I'm not as polished and velvety smooth, but I mean, I, I, I think we're here for very similar reasons. We talk about this a lot, but um, coming to Singapore and working abroad has always just been a dream of mine, right? Really, since uh, I started at Microsoft as an intern, uh, my first manager was uh, from Australia. So that really opened the doors for me of, you know, wondering what it's like to work in a different country. Um, and then also just, I think, the last couple of years of looking back at you know the, the journey of being Asian and working in tech, that's really inspired my move to Singapore. Um, and that's what brought me here, just uh, a combination of wanting to work abroad, explore Asia, really dig deeper into some of my Asian roots. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what brought me uh, about two years ago. Amazing, and we'll make sure we dive into each of those topics. But let's start with a, a little bit of a word association game. Um, I'm gonna re- name a random word, and then you can either share the word that comes to mind, a phrase, you know, it doesn't have to be you know, a one word thing and that's it. But when you think of trees, what do you think of? Uh, when I think of trees, I think of gardens. I yeah. think of Canada. I think mm-hmm. of, of uh, the amazing forests that you can, you can see in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> and when I say golf, who comes to mind? Oh, Tiger. Come on. Oh, okay. Tiger. Okay. He, he, he's had the most incredible comeback from some pretty big setbacks. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. So Tiger's always been the first one yeah. injuries and I guess his reputationally but life okay. yeah life, life <laughs> he's had a lot of life challenges yeah. right so. okay and what about home oh family puppy mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, girlfriend yeah Macy home is uh, home is where the heart is you know so I think uh, I'll end it on this one for, for that association is I, I've really felt like being in Singapore is home but I also feel like Toronto is also home, so I feel like now, after two years of this, I have I have two homes. There so you go. It's quite nice. Yeah. And then one last question, just to entertain, animal. Oh, okay. Um, I recently was chatting with some friends about this, and uh, the animal that I get associated with now is apparently Timon, from from Lion King. Yes. Yeah. I'm a little lanky. I'm a little skinny. Uh, got some dark circles, but overall, generally positive, <laughs> cheeky attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I often help with, you know, being that brotherly figure mm-hmm. and, and giving advice. So uh, I'm not sure what animal that actually is. I think that's a, a lemur? Uh, meerkat. Meerkat. That's yeah. a meerkat. Yes. I also don't know why I know that so so confident. It is a meerkat. Yeah, yeah, but I think I went to the zoo very often as a kid, so we knew all of our animals. So <laughs> the San Diego Zoo is world class. I think they have the... The pandas that were, I think it was the first set of pandas that were born outside of China ever. Uh, yeah, so that was quite cool, but definitely remember those are meerkats. But when we talk about animals, I'm sure we're going to talk about you know, beaver because we were talking about the beaver fur trade early this morning before we did this show. Canadian heritage moment right yeah, there. That's yeah. true, that's true. But uh, let's jump ahead and you know talk, go back to your career journey because I think a lot of this podcast focuses on telling about relatable role models and their journeys to how they got to now. But tell us about you know, where you grew up and you know, how that shaped what you wanted to do with your career. Yeah, great, great question. And I often think about this being in Singapore for two years or just trying to figure out what is next for me. And I think a guiding principle for me has, I mean, this kind of sounds a little bad and counterintuitive to what most 
coaches would teach you in terms of finding your passion. I've really been about finding what I don't like to do. Mm. So uh, oftentimes I've, I've kind of let the decision of like, okay, I really don't like this. I don't like this. These are things that I, I, I enjoy, not necessarily super passionate about, but that's really helped guide me in terms of my, my next steps. Um, and that really started even when I was young. So um, I would say my journey has been a little bit unconventional. So I started um, at the University of Waterloo, you know, the MIT of Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to, to Waterloo alumni. Um, but I, I did a program called Science and Business there. So the reason why I did this program, Science and Business, uh, specializing in biotech, wasn't because I was particularly passionate about biotech. I, I thought I was either going to be an accountant mm-hmm. or a pharmacist. Mm-hmm. Two very different things, couldn't choose. Yeah. Therefore, I took the path where I'm like, I'll keep options open. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's where I started um, thinking about my career. I was just like, I know I wanted to be one of these two things. Yeah. That led me to uh, ultimately working in a hospital for most of my work terms there. Um, and then from there, I realized I, I really didn't want to be a, a lab monkey, right? Like I, I enjoyed it. I felt like it was a lot of impact, but I just didn't do well behind a desk crunching numbers all day. Mm-hmm. And that's what led me to marketing uh, at Microsoft and then a few other tech companies after transitioning from marketing to sales uh, in SaaS, and then now uh, being in sales for advertising. So mm-hmm. I'd say the last couple of years, I've, I've really become like the gov guy, mm-hmm. um, selling uh, ads at LinkedIn, and then also uh, at TikTok, uh, and then recently got an offer to start at Google. Mm-hmm. So, so a quick, quick summary of my journey. Yeah, yeah, and one thing you mentioned is about things you didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. Right? I think that's a super important part of trying to figure out who you want to be in the world is first crossing up what you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd love to hear more about that, but just a kind of fun anecdote is, for me during high school, I was doing these business plan competitions mm-hmm. and we would just get zeros on all of the financial statements part. We're basically, <laughs> we're literally like closing our eyes and pressing numbers, right? Like, I know there's this funny TikTok who always talks about EBITDA, right? EBITDA, yeah. right? The earnings before income tax depreciation and amortization. So clearly I paid attention to those classes, right? But it was, I was working in the summers. I was at KFC just doing these like, you know, weekend jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then during the summer, I was like teaching kids badminton and ping pong. You know, it was like companies like jobs, but at nighttime I would take these like accounting 101 classes. Mm-hmm. And it just made me realize like, ah, oh, this is not what I want to be doing, yes. right? Maybe it's because it was the best years of your summer, right? And your youth just learning about debits and credits and projecting your cash flow. I was like, this is not what I want to do. So early on, I knew I didn't want to do accounting, but for yourself, what were the things that, you know, even to now you said, I don't want to do, and how did you, you know, rule those out? Yeah, no, it's very similar. Like I, I wanted to be an accountant because I knew that was a very safe, stable career. And I think growing up uh, as, as, you know, an immigrant in Canada, um, again, actually a, a little background too. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a city called Markham uh, in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And Markham is really like a very Asian <clears throat> area. There's a lot of people that are Chinese there, a lot of immigrants from Hong Kong. Um, and, you know, I, I think as a, having immigrant parents, it's all about making sure you have a stable profession, stable income, because, you know, they have to really work hard to, to attain mm-hmm. that stability. So they want that right off the bat for, for their, their, their offspring, right? Mm-hmm. For, for us, right? So, that was why I wanted to be an accountant, for the stability. It had absolutely nothing to do with what I liked, mm-hmm. what I was good at, or being passionate about. So, you know, starting to think about what I actually didn't like. I'm actually not a numbers guy either. Yeah. I think, you know, doing spreadsheets, doing balance sheets, those are okay things. But I think over time, when I started to take other courses, I was like, hey, marketing is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I definitely don't like accounting. This is a little bit better, mm-hmm. right? So that's how I started to explore marketing. I was like, okay, I can still take some of the... Uh, analytical principles that I had from working in a lab and then apply that to to a marketing role. 
mm -hmm. right? And you know, I think this was a little bit of luck uh, as well, but uh, at that time, this was 20, 2011, mm -hmm. 2010, um, that was when marketing analytics was just starting to really grow, right? Like the whole concept of digital marketing, tracking, um, just really looking at the data of your marketing to inform your decisions was, that was becoming more and more, um, you know, prioritized when it came to actual, when it came to marketing. So a little bit of luck, a little bit of, of, of chance, and you know, I think I was at the right place at the right time, and mm -hmm. that's how I made that transition. So and kind of tying it all back, it's like, hey, like I wasn't good at numbers, I didn't particularly love it, but I still use that to then transition to something that I liked a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. And you know, for yourself, did you spend most of your time working in Canada? Is this the first time outside or beyond, uh, I guess, the Canadian borders? Yeah, yeah, this is the first time before, but beyond the Canadian borders. I, um, I've always wanted to work abroad. Mm -hmm. um, when I was at Microsoft, I wanted to work in Seattle. Mm -hmm. Couldn't happen too junior to me. Mm -hmm. When I was at Salesforce, I wanted to work in San Francisco. Uh, again, right, like San Francisco is where, where Salesforce is. They've got the big Salesforce tower. Always wanted to work on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, uh, I was at LinkedIn. I think this is where I reached my late 20s. I was like, okay, I'm no longer working abroad. I don't think this is really going to be a, a thing that I can do. I've been trying for years. Mm -hmm. um, and then Singapore finally happened after a year of really pursuing it, um, thinking that, you know, oftentimes I thought Singapore wasn't going to happen because it came down to headcount, it came down to these other things. Um, and then when I did, I had to make a quick move. So mm -hmm. um, this really is the first time working abroad. And I'd say, you know, my advice for anyone thinking about working abroad is the earlier you do it, the better. Mm -hmm. um, but the younger you are, I'd say the harder it is just because you don't have the skill set to, right. to get you there, right? right. Um, but yeah, that, this is my first time around. Yeah, I was talking to one of my good friends, one of my mentors, and he really put the whole experience of living and working abroad into perspective. Because I know, I know, did you get a chance to do an exchange program at your university? Or? No, no, right. no exchange. I've always dreamt about it. Right? And I think that's actually the same reason why I also wanted to move abroad, was you know, there's this idea of you know, going to school overseas. It just felt like very impractical, right? Mm. Where I think maybe it's our, our parents, right, our Asian culture, where hey, you know, school is about learning and getting your degree, mm. and then getting a job, not necessarily to you know, do these very worldly, go learn about different cultures and travel abroad. And I think my parents always said, hey, if you want to go live abroad, do it on your own wallet, right? And that's totally fair, right? Especially your parents are helping you through university and such, but. That friend of mine, kind of taking a step back, was saying how it's such a privilege to be able to be, you know, skilled or, you know, recognized or qualified enough that another country will literally open their doors for you, give you a special visa, you know, to allow you to, you know, work in their country. I think that's really magical, right? Like, wow, you get this experience to be invited in to be a whether it's a founder, an employee, you know, just it's rarefied space, and I think it's been a really cool experience for both of us. Yeah. And tell us about that. Like, what's been your experience in Singapore? Yeah, that's a great question, and, and, and I think when you tell me that, like, I, I think of two things that I, I want to talk a bit about from my experience. Like, one is you do feel like your skill set's really valued. Not, not to say that my skill set wasn't valued when I was back in Canada, absolutely, but I think coming to Singapore, you know, people really appreciate that Western, quote-unquote, perspective that you have, mm -hmm. right? One of the reasons why I was able to make my case to come to Singapore was I've been, quote unquote, kind of working on government for four years, like kind of the, that, that gov guy, right? Mm -hmm. um, that helped make my case to come to Singapore because at the time, LinkedIn, uh, on the marketing side, was really trying to build out their government business. So they actually had hired myself and one of my really friends, uh, Sarah, uh, who was actually from Dublin, also used to work in government in mm -hmm. Dublin, LinkedIn. So both of us were put together and we became this government pod where mm -hmm. we were now the government experts. Don't get me wrong. 
understanding the market nuances is very different, right? The Dublin market versus the Canadian market versus the Singaporean market are all very different. But at the end of the day, the government is the government, right? There's there, there's lower sales cycles, a lot more complex. You got to sell through marketing agencies. Um, you've got a lot more stakeholder management. You have to work with different policy teams. Overall, it's just a, a very different mm-hmm. um, sales cycle yeah. compared to say you know working with a financial institution or or um, you know a tech company, right? Mm-hmm. So that was how I made my case. So it really did feel like my skills were just really valued mm-hmm. um, and very specialized. So I would say that's the first thing. Like like you said, when you're working abroad, there is a bit of a privilege that you feel where you're like, wow, mm-hmm. they're actually bringing me in. I feel it's really valued. They, they, they want me to help build something new, right? Mm-hmm. As a founder, I'm sure you definitely felt mm-hmm. that, right? Mm-hmm. And then the second one is, the second point I want to make is, you know, when we're thinking about working abroad, it's so different from our parents, right? Yeah. They yeah. had to move because of whether it's, you know, escaping certain hardships, yeah, yeah. you know, our parents, both Hong Kong, both Canto, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think they were thinking long-term about, okay, 97, all these different things, right? So, you know, how do, how do we have the best environment for our children to, you know, set themselves up so they don't have to have such a hard life, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And we're, we left, like our parents left to Canada and the U.S. for a better life, and here we are going back to Asia, Yeah, yeah. right? So, you know, it's, it's very interesting because one of my mentors was saying, you know, he he uh, he is uh, he was the first guy that hired me at Salesforce. Uh, this is in Toronto. This or? is in Toronto. Yeah. Salesforce hired me as a sales development rep, mm-hmm. and I will never forget him. Ian, big shout out to you. Thank you for you know taking the chance on me because he started my career. Um, he was saying that he was predicting that a lot of uh, Asians that might be in Canada and the U.S. will probably go back to Asia to work for a couple of years mm-hmm. because if you think about the reason why our parents immigrated, it is to find the best opportunities to give us um, the best life we can possibly have. Right. Being in our position, coming to a Singapore, a Hong Kong, uh, an emerging market, maybe if you're in Malaysia or a KL or whatever, mm-hmm. um, it, it, it helps us find a better life. Right? If we can have a better life in Singapore than my life in Toronto, why would we not immigrate here? Very, very similarly, right? It's yeah. about setting yourself up for success, setting up your family for success. Um, so that's something that I've been really thinking about when it comes to working in Singapore. Yeah. Um, and obviously with things like COVID and all of the craziness that's been happening around the world, mm-hmm. protests, things like high taxes even in yeah. Canada, yeah. you know, you really think of, you know, is this a better place for me to start a family? Mm-hmm. Um, we can dive into that too, but oh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, those are the two things, right? It's like, mm-hmm. I definitely felt a lot more valued. And then the second of just working abroad, it's like, we're doing this because it's for fun, not mm-hmm. because we have to. Correct. Yeah. yeah, I think there's a lens to the terminology that we use, where there's you know immigrants, and then there's being an expat. Right? Oh yeah. Where in the <laughs> states, we have a lot of rhetoric where it's like, oh, these you know people, uh, again, they use worse words. You know, they're coming here to steal our jobs. You know, they're not contributing to society, right? And they use the term of oh, these immigrants or these illegal yeah. immigrants. Right. We're granted, you know, not to get political, but then yeah. there's also this word of like being an expatriate or an expat, yeah. where it's oh, you know, technically we're both immigrants, even if it's for a short-term period, right? We're like, we're migrant workers, people that move to another place to work, right? But in this case, it's a very different context where, you know, we have opportunities in, you know, North America, which are wonderful, but it's more of a cultural experience, a life experience Mm -hmm. to be able to see what is it like to be Asian in Asia? What is it like to be surrounded by people that largely look like us? And I think Mm -hmm. both of us chose Singapore for a reason as well, Mm -hmm. where there's so many other thriving 
global cities, right? Like, you know, Beijing is an exciting place, Shanghai, you know, Tokyo, Seoul, and that's just Asia. But at the same time, those places, while there are many Asian people, they're more homogenous. And I think mm. Singapore is really cool because there's so much a blend of ethnicities, right? Mm. And granted that, you know, there's a majority Chinese population. So, you know, as folks that speak English, that come from an ethnic Chinese background, it's almost like we fit in very closely. And I think that's a really cool experience as well. Oh, for sure. That's been one of the most eye-opening parts of being in Singapore. It's, you know, again, don't get me wrong, Toronto, extremely multicultural. Right, and right. I never felt out of place in Toronto, mm-hmm, ever. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, you know, there's moments where you might, oh, okay, I'm the token Asian guy. Right, but, yeah, but, yeah. You know, you grew up in that environment, so you yeah. know how to manage, you know how to code switch, and, mm-hmm. you know, you just get along with everyone. But coming to Singapore, you're like, I just blend in with everybody else, right? Mm-hmm. Like, basically, most people would assume that I'm either, you know, from China or I'm Singaporean, until I kind of open my mouth and you're like, hey, he said a funny, he said a boot, you know, yeah. like a boot, a yeah, boot, a you boot. know, and yeah. you know, most most often uh, people only ask me where I'm from mm-hmm. when I start to, to you know be a little bit more chatty, right, right, right. Um, but it, it's definitely a very eye opening experience, just kind of being able to blend in so mm-hmm. easily and casually. Yeah, and I think what's interesting is like you mentioned too, it's you know like a westernized Asian in in Singapore or in Asia, um, one thing I've loved about being in Singapore is I've met a lot of people that have a very similar upbringing, mm-hmm. right? So in the quote-unquote expat community, sure. yeah. right? I think our, a lot of our friends are also Asian. We've got some non-Asians, of course, but those that are, they're either ABCs, or American-born Chinese, Australian-born Chinese, Canadian-born Chinese. Mm-hmm. So we have a very similar experience, and I think that's what brought us here. Um, but then even when I connect with, you know, a lot of my other local friends, it's like, I still feel like we have an extremely similar upbringing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we all grew up going to karaoke's, mm-hmm. and we grew up listening to Jay Chow, yeah, right? Yeah. Right, you know, you listen to, you grew up listening to Chow, you know? Yeah. And, and it's like, you are able to instantly connect on a deeper level because you had a similar upbringing, similar values, yeah. right? Whereas when I was, say, in Canada, again, not to say that I can't connect with a, a, another Canadian that's mm-hmm. not Asian. Mm-hmm. You know, you grew up watching basketball. You right. grew up watching Jays games. You, you grew up, you know, riding bikes in different neighborhoods and stuff. So again, you still have these commonalities where you can bond over. But I think being in Asia, it just it just feels like there's an, a step or two that is just removed. It's just mm-hmm. a lot easier. Yeah, yeah. There's so many places to, you know, plus one, as I say in our program, right? <laughs> double tap. Double, double click. click. You know, double, double click. click. Double, click. <laughs> double down and double... Uh, but the idea of that commonality, right, where I think things in the States where, you know, so I also grew up in a very Asian area in the Bay Area, and there are certain things that you know, oh, you know, if you're in, in the workplace and you're the only Asian person, you know, don't talk about badminton, don't talk about ping pong, you know, don't talk about karaoke, because it's not a common thing. I don't do kung fu. Right, right. But the person's here, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah who's, who's down to play badminton? And it's like, oh, wait, we have too many people. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just very different, right? And at the same time, it's... It's like this double-edged sword, right? Because yes. here it is, it's like a very, where being in Asia, in Singapore, the folks here are very Asian. They don't have that like Western kind of blend too, which is why I think both of us have this realization. It's, hey, yes, this is an amazing experience that we can blend in. At the same time, the world that we grew up on is almost like a yin-yang, right? Where you have Western culture and I guess Asian or Eastern culture blended in, like in quote, harmony. Right versus here, it's it's much more Asian skewed, and in a way, it's what I want to start a family here. Hmm, it's a very different reality. Where yeah. instead of hey, your kids biking, you know, around the cul-de-sac, yeah. right, and you know, going to hang out from the seven, it's like a different vibe. Whether you go to the mall, yeah. you you hang out with MRT, it's just yeah. a totally different world. Which is not to say one is better or worse, no, no. but it just comes down to 
which one matches the vision that you have for your life? Absolutely. And like one thing I think about too is I look at the school system here and I am a terrible student, mm. right? I, I think back if my parents never left and I was in Hong Kong or somewhere in Asia, I'd be a dud. Like I would not have gone to the place that I am today career-wise because the school systems are just a lot stricter, very heavily test-based, mm -hmm. right? And I'm just not good at testing, mm -hmm. right? Um, so, you know, if I think back, okay, if I want to give my kids the best chance, genetically, if they're going to be, you know, any, any resemblance of myself, they yeah. might not be good at testing either. Mm -hmm. So I agree, right? It's like, you know, what, what is that vision that you have for them? And um, sorry to, to kind of backtrack and go yeah. back to your point of kind of that yin and yang of West and East and, and whatnot. I used to think, I don't, I don't know how you feel too, mm -hmm. is, we have much more, we have many roots to Hong Kong, I'd say, right? Going yeah. on, growing up watching TVB, speaking Cantonese. I used to think Hong Kong was like the same, best of like East same. meets West, mm -hmm. right? And now that I've been to Singapore, I'm like, actually, no, like Singapore is a much know. better blend, correct? Right? Yeah. Um, whereas in Hong Kong, like, you know, you really do actually have to speak Cantonese. You can still get a lot, you get by with, with English, but here it really is much, much more multi, multicultural. Mm -hmm. And then, and then I think that actually leads to, like you said, how, yes, being in Asia is a lot more like, Asia values and culture dominated, but I've also found that it's like really interesting because it's such a gradient, right? Like I've met some Singaporeans that don't even speak Chinese, and I'm mm -hmm. like, you're just like me, you're banana, <laughs> but you yeah, grew up yeah. here, which is crazy, yeah, yeah. right? But yeah, you still listen to Jay Chow, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, and then I also think about how some of them was like very similar, it's like so they've done the opposite, so mm -hmm. they went and studied in Canada, or they went and they uh, they lived in New York for eight years, mm -hmm. they, or they went to uh, study in Germany, right? So then even though they kind of had the inverse experience that we had, we're still kind of very similar, mm -hmm. right? So I think it's, it's, it's definitely a gradient of just like the experiences. Um, and I, that's probably one of the things I've loved most about Singapore. You really do meet these people from such different walks of life, career. Mm -hmm. um, again, not to say that people in Toronto are not from that, but I think being in a country where you don't have family, you don't really know people, mm -hmm. you're just forced to, to just mix and mingle with, yeah. with people uh, with different backgrounds. Right? Yeah, yeah, right on. And then just thinking in terms of the future, right, mm -hmm. where, you know, as you plan to move back to Canada, how has your mindset changed about work, you know, as we approach, you know, into our 30s now, yeah. thinking about, you know, what does work mean to you, you know, I think probably the first one to two years after you graduate university, you had this killer determination that I need grind. To, you gotta grind, I gotta go you pay your dues. I think it's like the, there's also the I have to get ahead of my peers. I need to be XYZ by the time I'm twenty five. I need to get on thirty under thirty. Yeah. Right? This is not a defeatist uh, uh, mantra or anything, but how has this experience of moving abroad, you know, working in Asia as an Asian person, yeah. how has that shaped your experience and your expectations about what you're gonna be doing back in Canada? That's a or life in Canada. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I feel like I have a lens into two very different lives, mm. um, being still so closely tied to, to Canada and then being in Singapore for the last two years. Um, I feel like I look back at what some of my friends are doing, where they are really settling down, having kids, starting families, having dogs, buying homes. Dogs, yeah. The dogs, You know, I look at that life and I'm like, that is so far from where I am right now. Mm -hmm. And that's actually what I want. Mm -hmm. So very similar to how I was, I guess, going back to my career of like, what do I not want, right? Let me bring that back to how I've made that decision to go back to Canada. Mm -hmm. um, being in Singapore, I've been golfing, been going out, meeting friends, meeting over drinks, right? It's been a hell of a time, right? Mm -hmm. Wakeboarding, do whatever you want, whatever you want, really have no obligations to anyone, mm -hmm. right? And it's been absolutely amazing, but especially in the last six to 12 months, it's 
you know, how many times can I go golf before I'm like, I need to do something right. a little bit more, um, you know, tied to the vision that I want for myself, mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, I, I can't see myself continuing to do this until I'm 35 or 40. Like, right. I, I want to settle down, mm -hmm. right? Um, so, you know, I, I see that lens of like, that's settling down. And, and, and I think people use that term settling down so negatively. Right. But it really isn't. It's about starting that next stage, mm -hmm. if and when you want to, and if you're ready for that, right? Yeah. I think I've hit that point where like that is more important to me than going out. Mm -hmm. And then the other lens of like being in Singapore, um, I think that Asian work culture, similar to when you just first start, it's about like that grind, getting ahead, mm -hmm. you know, how to make as much money as I can. Um, I feel like in Singapore and in Asia, it's just, it's that times a hundred. Yeah, certainly amplified. Right? Yeah. It's just so amplified because I think if you tie back to, you know, what our immigrant parents think about, it's about stability, right? Mm -hmm. And how do you have stability? Oftentimes, that's, that's been, that's, that stems from being financially stable, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. How do you become financially stable? You grind, you put in the hours, you work, you make the money, mm -hmm. right? So I think being here, it's, it's really, like you said, just put that, like, on steroids. And mm -hmm. um, some people love it. And to be frank, I enjoy it too. Mm -hmm. But I think that's made me really think through, like, okay, if I'm really thinking about Selling down a little bit, slowing down, getting a dog. Um, that nine nine six life is not going to be conducive of, of that life, right? It's mm -hmm. not, right? Because the reality is, it's like um, if I want to have some kids or whatnot, working eighty hour weeks is not going to be. You know, that's not going to allow me to be able to spend time with kids, mm -hmm. right? So I think that's how I've really changed uh, my my outlook on career. Mm -hmm. I think especially in my twenties and my early thirties, I'm still early thirties. Yeah, yeah. Um, I still want to get ahead. I still right, want to. Right. I still want to. You know, be successful, make money, mm -hmm. um, have a career, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I think over time, it's how do we be more smart about it, right? Like, how can I work forty hours and still make as much money if I worked seventy hours right. or eighty hours, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's about being a little bit more deliberate and strategic. Of okay, um, I still want to maintain that level of career, that prestige, because mm -hmm. um, you know that is important. Uh, to, to, to people it's important to me um, but how do I do that while being able to say my longest weeks are maybe a 60 hour a week mm -hmm. every once in a while but my average week is a 40 hour week mm -hmm. right um, one of the things that I actually um, really helped me decide on taking that next step of taking that Google mm -hmm. offer when I returned to Canada was actually talking to my boss and yeah. I was like hey like what's the one thing you absolutely love about your job you've been there for eight years and he said Hey, like you know, I'm a new father. My 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 daughter's just a few years old. Mm -hmm. You know, there's only so many places in the world where I can, you know, not have to work seventy hour weeks to be able to provide that future I want for my mm -hmm. for my daughter, mm -hmm. right? And like that really struck a chord with me. I'm like, okay, yeah. that that's what I want. You know, I mm -hmm. don't have any aspirations to be this crazy CEO anymore. Or, yeah. You know, to be the thirty under thirty. It's too late mm -hmm. for that now. Right. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> so like the forty under well, 40, 40 under forty is yeah. Now. Um, but you know, I, I think my 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 aspirations, the values have changed a bit. My aspiration now is to have like that wholesome nucleus family. Yeah. Right? And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, so. I agree. I think even that phrase of I want to be successful, that's a fun phrase, but the mm -hmm. idea of like, getting ahead, it's like, like ahead of who, right? The only person <laughs> you should be trying to get ahead of is yourself, right? Like to yeah. achieve certain, you know, smart goals that you set up, you know, and if you can get that earlier, great, right? Because I think everyone has this mentality in Asia that it is a race, that it is a very, that's a scarcity mindset or like a fixed mindset where if I gain someone else must lose yeah. right where it's a very it is the, the global economy is very competitive don't get me wrong but at the same time it's 
there's the phrase of, you know, life is not a race, right? Yeah. At the same time, everyone's running their phone. Right, in a way, yeah, it's like, yeah. in the same way, it's like everyone's just doing their own thing at the same time, right? I remember last, before I came to Singapore, I was traveling for three months, right? Yeah. And I was not able to make it for my high school 10-year reunion, right? And for me, I thought that was going to be like such an important thing. You know, I wasn't, you know, prom king or, you know, you know, super duper you know, involved with campus, but I had a lot of friends, right? Mm-hmm. And I just knew a lot of people and I was certainly planning to go. At the same time, it made me realize, wait a second, I'm kind of doing my own thing. Like, I'm so glad to, oh, like, where's Derek? Oh, he's, like, traveling Asia, right? That's like, oh, that's kind of cool, you know? Like, everyone's kind of doing their own thing. And I think the more we compare yourself to your friend that, you know, has, has a four-year-old already or has, a, you know, has two houses, right? That just makes you less grateful for what you have. Yeah. I, I think the, like you said, the, the being grateful thing is definitely important. And it's very hard to be able to look back and say, I need to be grateful when you're, like, yeah. in the middle of that grind where you're just working so hard for the next goal mm. um, and I think Singapore has I'd say definitely humbled me where mm. you know I thought I was doing pretty good I am still doing pretty good in my career yeah. and then I meet these other friends that are like serial entrepreneurs they work yeah. for hedge funds they work, they, they're these big entrepreneurs they have multiple businesses they have mm. properties all over the world I'm like holy crap you guys like I didn't even know this level of success existed mm-hmm. right and I'm like really starting to think okay is that actually what I want do I need to have all of those things um, it'd be great if I did mm-hmm. but you know is that a bigger priority now or is you know the, the, the personal side more mm-hmm. of a priority going back home to my girlfriend going being with my family you know being my parents that are, that are aging and mm-hmm. my grandparents that are aging right like mm-hmm. you know what, what, what should I be prioritizing right, right. so right. you know definitely grateful that um all of that is still still there at home, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and if I think about, you know, if you're always comparing, like, you'll never be able to catch up. Right, right. right. But, but I think it's important to still say, hey, like, these are some goals I want to aspire to, Absolutely. right? Yeah. So I want to reach for those goals, but, you know, you can't constantly compare. You mm-hmm. also just end up burning yourself out. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And switching gears a little bit, in a funny way, Alton, I feel like I've known you for a very, very long time. <laughs> but in reality, we only met recently within this past calendar year, yeah, right? And yeah. building on top of that, like, you're one of the most sociable, popular, and just down to earth people uh, that I know. <laughs> and that's actually, like, I feel like it's one of your superpowers. It's literally, you can connect with anybody, right? Where your friends group, even, you just have so many friends, your social calendar is always packed. I'm curious, like, how do you do it, right? Because I imagine, you know, at work, there's people you like, dislike, tough deadlines, like, how do you manage people in your mind? Is there a certain framework, or how? What does your mind calculate when it comes to people and personalities? Damn, that's a that's a big question, um, and it's something I've been thinking a lot about too, especially that you know that superpower. Because mm-hmm. I think that's what led me to being in sales, right? Is being in this role where I have to be social. And mm-hmm. funny thing is, I grew up very introverted. I was a really quiet, shy kid, like. My family, my parents, my family, friends, cousins were all very concerned for me when I was a kid mm. because I was, I was super awkward. Yeah. Right? Like when my parents had family friends over, I had to hide under the table. Wow. Like I was yeah. really weird <laughs> as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, I think over time I obviously grew out of it, but I think that was a conscious choice where like, okay, I want to be liked. Right. Mm. I think as, as a teenager, you want to be liked. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where these skills started to develop. I was, just, mm. I was a very social kid. I was always getting in trouble for, for talking too much in high school. Mm. And then, you know, I think that's what has led me to how I approach friendships now, right? And how I've built that community here, that, that, that friend group here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess the way I view it is, you know, taking it back to the intro that we had of, mm. of me personally, I just like to know people on a deeper level. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think that just stems from, like, I'm a really curious guy. 
in a negative way, I'm just a nosy guy, right? So, <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Right? Like, yeah. it's just, it's, you know, how do you do that without being, um, you know, be, how do you be nosy and curious while respecting boundaries, mm-hmm. right? I think that's probably the most important. It's like, I just view every person as like, I just want to know more about this guy's story because mm-hmm. I feel like everybody has their own journey. Everybody's yeah. experiencing life in their, through their eyes, right? Um, for me, I just find it really interesting mm-hmm. and, you know, um, I think that's how I'm able to be so social and I guess just have such meaningful relationships with everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like, I just want to know them at a, at a personal level. And I think a book that helped me discover this quote unquote superpower, mm-hmm. um, I think the book's called uh, Finding Your Tribe. Oh, find, cool. Find Your Tribe, Finding okay. Your Tribe, one of those. Yeah. Um, it's a great book. It's really just about like, how do you find people that have mm-hmm. very similar um, you know, likes, passions as you, and then how do you then build up that community together? Yeah. Right? And I think it's applicable, obviously, from a personal perspective of like finding friends when you're in a foreign country. Yeah. But then that also works when it comes to your job. Like, okay, like how do I find people who are going to advocate for me? How do I find people that are going to help pull me up? How do I help pull people up? Right. Yeah. When I'm in, when I'm thinking about my mm-hmm. career, um, and I, I'd say that that book definitely helped me quite a bit. And um, I'd say another two books that mm-hmm. helped me think through how do I build relationships? How do I, you know. When I was growing up, wanting to be liked, I was always like a little bit of a nice guy, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Being in sales, you get stepped over, right? Right. right. So you know, uh, the book, uh, the challenge yourself, really helped, mm-hmm. okay. right? So it's it's not necessarily just being that yes man or being that mm-hmm. super social guy. It's how you challenge respectfully and mm-hmm. and you know really. So the challenge sale. The challenge sale. Cool. Yeah. So it's it's like thinking about the client in their lens mm-hmm. and what's best for them. Okay. And oftentimes they may not know what's best for them, right? So mm-hmm. how do you challenge them mm-hmm. in that way? Uh, and then this is a super lame one, but it's, you know, how to win friends and influence people. That's a classic, man. Yeah. Super dry, but yeah. it is such a classic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And what was very interesting for me when I think through how I make relation, like create relationships and build, build communities and groups. Um, when I read that book, I realized I'm like, oh, this is what I've been doing. Right. This subliminally. Is just, subliminally. I was like, I didn't even know I was doing these things, mm-hmm. right. Of, you know, kind of giving first without expectation and mm-hmm. things like that. So. Yeah, that's just how I've been thinking about, you know, my friends and how mm-hmm. I've uh, been very deliberate and how I like make relationships here. Yeah. Um, you know, even like you said, there's people I like this. Like when I think about um, when I first came to Singapore, my first thing was, okay, I, I obviously want to have a good relationship with my coworkers, mm-hmm. right? And then how do I turn my coworkers into friends? Okay. Yeah. So I'm just like, hey, I host them, have a barbecue. Uh, invite them over, right? It's about kind of reciprocity. Just yeah. Like giving first, and cool. if they give back, great. This person, we're in the same tribe, you know. Like mm-hmm. I'm giving and I'm doing stuff, you know, organizing events. This person wants to do it. Okay, so there's a mutual um, want to be friends. Okay, yeah. so then you know that's how we start to build that. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing I was like, well, how do I make sure I build a network outside of just work? Because work is great, work's not permanent, right? right? If I leave, if that person leaves, right? Like, how how do I uh, just have a another community outside of just work mm-hmm. um, so that's how I prioritize uh, just kind of starting out in mm-hmm. yeah. well, thanks for sharing those books in particular and in a funny way I feel like you're you're like almost like a big brother to me in many ways and uh, I feel like you're we're the same age, we're the same age. You, you, you have this ability just to like you get along with people and I feel I, I'm kind of caught you know just to share you know just to go deeper it's I also used to kind of have this you know people people pleaser mindset and you know the the desire to be liked and then you read books like, you know, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Mm. You read, you know, uh, there's a book that I read recently or listened to. It was The, uh, the Courage to Be Disliked, oh, right? And that's, it's, a, it's, it's written by a Japanese author where it's a young kid. It's written in like a, almost like a script format where it's a young kid having a dialogue with a philosopher. 
who it basically explains that you'll never be happy if you're always trying to be a people pleaser. The mm. only way to you know truly be free is to have the courage to be disliked, mm. right? Mm. So in a weird way, I'm kind of caught in between two not extremes but two modalities where one says. You know, the only way that you can be happy, you can be free, is to you know not care what other people think about you, which is one. And then there's that mindset that you share, right? And Abraham Lincoln, right? It's when you meet people that you don't like. It's I think Abraham Lincoln has a quote where I don't I'm paraphrasing, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't like that person. I must find a way to get to know them better. Yes. And I found that so profound. And it feels like you're much more leaning towards like the Abraham Lincoln, you know, mm-hmm. school of thought. I'm curious. Do you find it challenge? Like, what do you do when you find someone that you quote just don't get along with? Oh, that's a good question. It's like. Because you're right, I do tend to get along with a lot of people, mm-hmm. but there's definitely people I don't necessarily get along with, and I guess I never did that. I did this, but I yeah. agree. So it's like, okay, this person has certain traits I dislike. Yeah. What is something that I do like about this person, or mm-hmm. what is something that I admire about this person? Right. You don't necessarily have to like them, but you can still respect them. Mm-hmm. Right. So I found that that was very. That's been how I would approach people I don't necessarily like. It's okay if I don't necessarily like them based on whatever traits. Um, what is something that I I do appreciate about this person, right? Mm-hmm. Is it because they still bring a new perspective and they might not be tactful in how they, they communicate it? Mm-hmm. Is it, you know, it's also breaking it down, right? So it's like, okay, I don't like this person. Why do I not like this person? Mm-hmm. What is it about these things? Is it the way yeah. they communicate? Is it a personal thing? Is it their values? Is it, you know, that you actually might have more things in common than you think, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that that's how I've also kind of approached it. It's like, I would say, if I know I don't like them, let's break down why mm-hmm. or how do I get along with them better? Um, and then is it personal or is versus like what is the, the issue right let's focus on the issue never focus on the personal mm. um, that's that's kind of how I would break that down yeah really cool really really good advice there um, it, it's just it, uh, you were saying the the other thought too of um, well no I just lost my thought now <laughs> no worries no worries <laughs> we'll call it back, we'll jump no, back, we'll back. Yeah. but kind of shifting gears to more of like a lightning round oh, yeah, it's, as you, I know you're you know packing up and getting ready for the big move back to Canada I'm curious, other, as you were going through your belongings, was there a particular belonging that it makes no sense for you to hold on to or keep, but you're deciding to pack with you? Is there anything that you're just like, I just have to keep this? That makes no sense? It's <laughs> a great, great question. Um, I, as of right now, I'm trying to donate as many things yeah. as I can and try to get rid of things. Like I came over two suitcases. My goal was to go home with two suitcases. I'm going back with three. Okay. okay. Um, uh, actually, you know, one thing I really which I didn't take or buy that many of her shoes. Uh, yeah. My friend will attest to this. She's like, well, yeah, you have more shoes than her. I have more shoes than her. Yeah. Um, the reality is I didn't need them, mm-hmm. but being in Asia, I found finding sizes that fit me a lot easier. So I'm like, you know what? I want to take these with me. Um, but if I were to think about more of like a memento, it's like, I think the first thing that comes to mind are, actually, yeah, I was actually chatting about this with uh, Karina, my friend, mm, yesterday. Yeah. Um, I have like this like folder of like cards oh. of cards of like you know thank yous and mm. and like Christmas and like, I actually brought a bunch of cards from Canada as well. Wow! Because I was like, okay, like these are my best friends, mm-hmm. and I, I want to be able to have like a, you know some photos and cards yeah, and yeah. stuff up. Um, and then you know being here for two years, it's like I have a few cards and stuff from mm-hmm. some friends here too. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, do, do I take these with me? Mm-hmm. I mean, I already have the memories. I, the relationships are going to be there. Um, I guess I'm, I tend to be a little bit more of a sentimental guy, yeah, but yeah. I think back, like, if I take these, I'm not going to put these out. I'm just going to put this in a box anyways. Yeah. So, you know, that's something I'm wondering, like, do I, do I take these? Do I leave this? Hold on to it, because who knows one day when, you know, Instagram, you know, the next Instagram comes out, you, know, you lose <laughs> all your Instagram data, all your photos, all that. Yeah, I think it'd be good just to reflect on all those, you know, 
heirlooms and words of affirmation. Basically. Yeah, words, I'm a very uh, words of affirmation kind of guy. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, no, that's a that's a good point. I'll yeah. Hang on to those. Yeah. And another one is, as you move back to Canada, what's the first thing that you're excited to eat? It could be, let's give a few things. I'm sure there's actually several things that are on your to-eat list. Yes. Uh, the first thing is jerk chicken. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, jerk chicken. Yeah. And a lot of people are surprised about this yeah. in Asia. Yeah. Um, so, like, Toronto actually has a very big, like, Caribbean population. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, Toronto has a big population of everything. Like, yep. if you want Ethiopian food, you can get Ethiopian mm-hmm. food. If you want Vietnamese food, Korean food. Whatever you want is probably a very, very good restaurant for mm-hmm. that type of cuisine. Um, but for me, jerk chicken is, is just a comfort food for me. And yeah. um, in Singapore, there's one place you can get jerk chicken, and it's not like really. I, it's it's seasonally authentic. It's Limehouse. Okay, I was gonna say, is it Nando's? No, it's definitely not Nando's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but uh, Limehouse is quite good. Mm-hmm. It's a Carib- like the one Caribbean restaurant on this entire island. Wow. They do a blend of Caribbean food, but. Uh, you know, a jerk chicken was like $20. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. So, so that's the first thing, jerk chicken, like $10. Second, uh, cheap sushi. Oh, uh, that's right. You understand this? Yes, yes, sir. Uh, Sushi's just so expensive here, I and I want decent quality. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting some cheap sushi for date nights on Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the third thing is uh, pho. I just, oh, okay. I think pho in Toronto is better I than agree. pho in Singapore. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's, I think cattle slash beef is significantly cheaper in North America. Mm-hmm. So I think the soup is better. There's more meat when you eat it. Yeah. And there's you know, lots of Vietnamese folks in Canada and in you know, California. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and then as you leave Singapore, what do you think are the foods that you'll miss? The, the things and the foods that you'll miss the most about Singapore? I mean, the, the first thing I'm going to miss most is like you, like all my friends here, you know, of course, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, heart size. Heart size. Yeah. Heart size. Uh, but yeah, like I, I think the first thing I'm going to miss most is just like, like all the friends and now family here in my opinion yeah. um, I, I think in the last two years because of COVID where none of us could travel mm-hmm. and the only thing we could do is hang out and have board games and go for bike rides and mm-hmm. go to beach clubs and whatever. Right, right. Um, I think in the last two years it's allowed us to condense what would normally take a couple of years to build a deep relationship to, into just like a very short time frame mm-hmm. so miss my friends but when it comes to food I'm really going to miss um, uh, Bon Mien Oh, okay, okay. Could you explain banh mian, like a oh. noodle dish? Yeah. Yes, I can explain that. That is like a thick, flat noodle with pork stock, uh, ground pork, veggies, uh, anchovies, and uh, a runny egg. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a very simple dish, to be yeah. honest. It's like, it's a very homey type of meal. Yeah. Um, and it's like four dollars. Yeah. So it's super you, cheap. Yeah, it's just super cheap. Then you usually like let me add extra veggie, add extra meat, add extra everything. Uh-huh. This is the, the the Canadian portions speaking to me. Where <laughs> talking to an American too, yeah, man. Exactly. It's like just give me two of them, right? Yeah, give me two, please. Uh, I don't know about you, but when I first got here, the first month I ate two meals. For yeah. Every meal. Because yeah. <laughs> the portions are you know they're very affordable. It's like four dollars yeah. for chicken rice, but we're used to you know big portions yes. of meat. Uh, yeah, so you'll probably end up with two, and then you'll eat all the chicken, and then probably just have a lot of leftover rice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I try to get less of the carbs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really gonna miss Bonnet. That's just like the most comforting thing uh, here. And then I think the second is just like the access. Right. The access to just like cheap, good Asian food. Um, it's it's unmatched here, right? Mm-hmm. You can walk down the street, go to a hawker, a coffee shop, a coffee tea, mm-hmm. uh, and you can get pretty much any type of local food uh, for for you know, quite affordable prices. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Canada, the cheapest meal right now is probably $12. Yeah. Right. So 
Yeah. And you talk about access, it made me think of both, you know, the amazing public transit system, mm. the buses, the MRT, and then even just the affordability of Grab. I know yeah. you're, the, you're a big advocate of time equals money, right? Time, time is money. Time is money. I, I, my, my friends who rip on me for taking Grabs all the time, it's within my transportation budget. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's still cheaper than, say, buying a car mm-hmm. in, uh, in the States or in Canada, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, that accessibility, I think that's one thing. I'm going to miss, but one thing that's going to frustrate me when I go back for sure. to Canada. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about you? Do you feel the same, especially Ooh. coming from the Bay? Yeah, I, I, I'm going to miss public transportation like, to yeah. the maximum. Uh, I think you can catch diseases when you're taking you know, some of the... Pen, the like, literally, <laughs> my friends have gotten sick by taking it. Just You don't know what's been on there beforehand. It's not this is the BART? Or yeah, is this, yeah, yeah, okay. The, <laughs> the world-famous BART, I say. Yeah, but uh, yeah, public transit's amazing. I think the cost of uh, local coffee is kind of next level. I granted, oh, I make yeah. my own coffee, yeah. but at Starbucks, right, you can get a hot cup of hot coffee for two, three bucks US. Yeah. Then here we have the kopitiams, right, like these very, very local um, coffee shops that are run by aunties and uncles. Mm-hmm. It's very you know, independently owned, and a cup of coffee uh, is, or kopi o kosong, right, like <laughs> a black coffee, or it's like a dollar and ten important, yeah. which comes out like 75 cents. Yeah. So even just if you need a quick, you know, caffeine kick to the face it's super cheap right mm-hmm. it's like next level cheap and then probably the last one is just safety right yeah. it's an incredibly safe place you never have to worry about your stuff you can literally leave all your belongings at a oh starbucks and like go use the bathroom and come back and it's like it's still there yeah here it's still there anywhere else it's gone it's gone that, that blew my mind here where yeah. people would choke a table yes. for reference choking is um reserving a table yeah. by putting a personal item on the table yeah like people will, will not only leave like a water bottle i've seen people leave credit cards or yeah. their cell phone on a yeah. table while they go order food yeah it's like mind-blowing yeah um i feel like you know i will never do that i still haven't done that mm-hmm. here um but like you said that level of safety especially with what's happening you know back back into home um you know does make me reconsider sometimes mm-hmm. but uh you know, sometimes I think it's just social media amplifying that to us. Right on, right yeah, on. I think, I think it's still decently safe, I think, yeah, when we go home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the last question, you know, just to wrap things up and, you know, bring close this conversation is, mm. what's been some wisdom or advice that you wish you had earlier in your life? Could be a quote, a phrase, a book. What's something you wish you learned earlier in your life? Man, dropping the, the hard questions. Yeah, you gotta end with a, hot, a heavy hit. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know what? I think it's actually back to what you were saying earlier about that need to be liked. Mm-hmm. And I think I'll take that one step further. It's the ability to let go. Hmm. And I think that stems from whether it's career of like, hey, I'm gonna let go traveling abroad at that moment in time, right? Or when it comes to things like, oh, friendships, right? It's like, meet these amazing friends and you know sometimes some friends come some friends go right it's how do you let go of like okay um we don't hang out as much as we used to we're all in a different stage of life that's okay right i'm not saying let go of the friend i'm saying let go of that you know type of friendship you used to have when you're maybe going out every single day mm-hmm. right so i think if there's anything i wish i learned earlier it's like that ability to not let things bother you and just let go of it so you don't hold on to it mm-hmm. all right and the second you're able to do that like you said, that's when you're able to, whether it's like focus on your career, focus on the things that matter, able to really like take a step back and say, this is what I actually want to do. This is the, the maybe this is the vision I have for myself. How do I then fill in the steps to get there mm-hmm. um, without holding on to things that might be holding you back from doing that, right? So uh, I'll end it with uh, that example of going back to career. Um, when I was 
interviewing for Singapore. It was a full year process. Uh, one of my mentors in Toronto said, if you want to go to Singapore, give yourself exactly one year. I got to Singapore in exactly one year. Mm -hmm. So I started the process in January 2019. And I was uh, you know, networking with the Singapore team. I was sharing some best practices and work with the team, starting to really build up that case. Mm -hmm. When the time came, um, about six months later, uh, they announced that we were having a global sales kickoff. Mm. Amazing. I get mm -hmm. to meet the team in Singapore. Uh, so we went out for dinner. I actually uh, missed out on the Canadian dinner just to... Prioritizing. Prioritizing, right? You know, hanging out with uh, the Singapore team just to get to know them a little bit better. Um, and it was amazing. It was great. I got to meet amazing people. I remember when I landed, um, my, another mentor of mine, uh, Lord, uh, she texted me before I boarded the plane. She's like, hey, yeah, let's do a coffee. Um, by the way, uh, everybody that's going to be a decision maker in your process of moving to Singapore, we're all grabbing a drink. Oh. And I'm like, wow, six-hour flight, tired, jet lag, bag, like, eye bags. I'm like, yeah. this is going to be interesting. Meerkat makeup. Meerkat makeup, you know, living my best Timon life. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I landed and I basically went straight to coffee. And wow. I honestly, after that, Sealed I it. No, I, I thought, oh, I'm like, oh, man, I, I didn't. They're not gonna hire me. Oh. Like, I was tired. I didn't know what I was saying. Yeah. You know, like it was like a forty-five minute thing. Obviously, where it went well, mm -hmm. right? Um, and you know, there's one one uh, leader and mentor. His name is Sumit, and mm -hmm. he was very jet lagged. So mm -hmm. he had a coffee while we were all having uh, like champagne. I'm like, yeah. oh man, he, like, he does not like me. I'm definitely not. Going to go <laughs> um, but to tie it all back. All right, so at that point, I thought it wasn't going to happen. Mm -hmm. And when I then talked to the, to the leadership team, they're like, hey, we're probably not going to have any headcount until maybe January. So August rolls around. I'm thinking this is probably not going to happen. I like, oh, you know, I proceeded to continue to live my life in Toronto. Um, you know, I met my current girlfriend. I continued to build up my life in Toronto. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, late fall rolls around and, oh, hey, you're interviewing. Mm -hmm. You're going to start in January. Right? Wow. So I think that ability for me to let go of that, to just focus on living my life in Toronto, was what I needed because I was already holding on for like eight months. I'm like, is this going to happen? Is this going to happen? I'd be so unhappy if I just continued to hold on to that, right? Mm -hmm. So I made the decision to let go. And that was when it finally came back, mm -hmm. right? I think that was what allowed me to perform and able to um, do well in the interview because in my head, I want to do my best. If it works, great. If it doesn't work, I'm already living my best life in Toronto. Mm -hmm. I like my life here. I'm okay to stay, yeah. right? And I think that was what helped me get to that, mm -hmm. to that next step. Beautiful. I know in the Buddhist mindset, they say <laughs> what, what su all, all suffering comes from attachment, right? Yeah. You're attached to either your current life or you're too attached to the outcome or a certain dream that you might have and then you suffer. Yeah. But at the end of the day, life is good. Life is good. This conversation was an absolute pleasure and I don't know, it's kind of surreal, you know, this might be one of the last times we're going to hang out in person in a very, very long time. You're coming to Toronto. Yeah, we are Raptors set up. But it's been an absolute pleasure, Alton, you know, I, I'm really excited that we got to have this conversation, and I'm really excited for you and your, uh, your next steps to come. Thanks, man, I appreciate this, and I, 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 I was just joking with you, like, oh, maybe we'll do a podcast with yeah, you. Yeah, Here we are, so thank you for making this happen, and, you know, next time Golden State is in Toronto, you got to just come for that. Oh, that's true, that's there true. I'll be the one guy with uh, the whole uh, curry outfit. Well, until next time, my friend. Awesome. Thanks, Derek. Yeah. This is the best, man. Thanks again for tuning in to the Paper Lantern Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Wong, and I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode. We are just getting started with producing episodes and could use your input to help us get better. If you have any feedback for us or suggestions on who you'd like to see as a guest, please don't hesitate to reach out. 
If you have a friend or colleague that you think might enjoy this episode, please share our podcast with them and tell them to visit our website, thepaperlantern.blog. Thanks for taking the time to listen, and I hope you have a wonderful week. Cheers. Cheers.